0: Friends, we're going to be I'm uh, going to be reading the scriptures as we're going through the sermon. But let's go to the Lord first in prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the one who inspired this word we're about to read and reflect upon. Holy Spirit, you are the true preacher. You're the true teacher. It's your voice we want to hear. So open up our minds, hearts, and spirits now to be sensitive to your still small voice. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the wonderful things about the Scripture is that we see stories that tell us the arc of people's lives, of people who have worked to be faithful to the Lord. We've seen their, their highs, their lows, their successes and failures. People like Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Peter, we see the arc of their stories, and, we, and they're there so that we can relate to them, so that we can learn from them and grow from them and be strengthened and encouraged. But you know, there's one person that we, uh, in the uh, Protestant tradition, the Reformed tradition, uh, can get a little bit skittish about, and that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, the reason I think we can get a little bit skittish is because there have been so many wrong turns that people have made when they're thinking and and talking about Mary, and we don't need to go into those. But here's the thing. The way we approach Scripture is not reactive. It's not reactive. It's proactive. We're looking at Scripture, and we look at Mary. We're going to look at Mary just as we look at the life of Peter, Joseph, and others, whose lives we learn from Mary, the mother of Jesus on this Mother's Day and her journey. We're going to begin in Luke 1, 26 through 38. And I'm going to call this section Mary the Courageous. And you'll see You'll see why, but we begin in Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, who was very old. She was barren, not supposed to be able to get pregnant. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true and then the angel left her why why courageous why courageous in this context for mary it's really very simple if we had lived in nazareth where mary lived she almost certainly knew that this was the end of her good reputation in that tiny village where she lived. At that time, the best we can tell in Nazareth, there were about 200 to 400 people in the entire village. There would have been just a few clans, a few interrelated families. Everybody, everybody knew everybody's business. Because there's not a whole lot to talk about and little connection with anyone outside the village. And who is going to believe that this young teenage girl, because she was a teenager at the time, who's going to believe that this young teenage girl was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters of creation the same Holy Spirit who came upon King David, the same Holy Spirit who inspired the prophets, who is going to believe that? No one's going to believe that. This was the first step, the first step of an entire life of people whispering behind Mary's back. When she comes to the village well, all the women there go silent. They're wondering, who's the real father of that kid? Was it one of their own husbands? Did you ever ask yourself, why Joseph, when it was time for the census, And everybody had to go back to their hometown. And for Joseph, as a descendant of King David, it was Bethlehem, about 80 miles away from Nazareth. Did you ever ask yourself why Joseph would make his wife, who was eight or nine months pregnant at the time, either walk or ride a donkey 80 miles when she didn't need to? He could have just gone as head of the household. So, why in the world would you make an eight or nine month old, nine month pregnant woman walk or ride a donkey or half both 80 miles? What was going on there? Well, I'll tell you almost certainly what was going on. It was almost certainly to make sure she was safe and not harmed. There were people back then who would stone a woman whom they thought was an adulteress. You know, in all this, we can argue that Mary was the first person to not be ashamed of the gospel. You know, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. When he was a persecutor of Christians originally, putting Christians in jail. Men, women, and children. He was a persecutor of Christians, but now he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But Mary here, the first person to scorn the shame, she would endure for the gospel, just as her son Jesus would scorn the shame of the cross. We can look up to Mary's courage. Courage birthed from her looking up to the living God. There was only one place for her to look. There was only one person who truly understood her. Not even Joseph. Fully. It was only the living God who could understand what she was dealing with. And she kept her eyes on him. And it gave her courage to be bold for Jesus for the gospel. Do we have that? Do we have that same courage? In this community where the Lord has placed us, do we have that same courage as this young mother? But Mary's courage and faith weren't perfect. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's an incident. Jesus is now gathering huge crowds. He's healing people. He's casting out demonic powers. But this happens. This is chapter chapter 3 of Mark. Mark 3, verse 20. One time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples Couldn't even find time to eat. That's how big the crowds were. That's how great the demands were on them. When Jesus' family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. Jesus is at the front end of his ministry. He's at the very beginning of his ministry. His popularity and influence are already growing by leaps and bounds. And so is the murderous jealousy and resentment of the religious establishment, the gatekeepers of Israelite culture and community. Maybe this is why Mary and her sons, the half-brothers whom Jesus helped raise, show up where Jesus is ministering. But they aren't showing up to join in his movement. Now, remember, this is Mary, and this is Jesus's half-brothers. They're showing up because they believe Jesus, Jesus, has become some kind of megalomaniac that Jesus has literally lost his mind and they must take him back home and lock him up for his own safety. You know, later when Jesus wants his disciples to understand that members of their own families, when he warns them that members of their own families will betray them, he's not talking theoretically. He's talking from personal experience. How how did this happen? How did this happen? How did Mary, who spoke to the angel Gabriel, who experienced rejection from her own community, come to reject the call and ministry of her son, Jesus. You know, we don't know for certain, but we can guess at what was motivating her. As a parent myself, my guess is something very simple, something every parent, every mother has known when their child strikes out in a direction that is risky and dangerous no matter what age they are. And that thing is fear. Fear for our child's safety and welfare. Fear for their future. Fear for their reputation. Jesus is in in an ongoing head-on collision with the religious leaders that can only end in disaster, and, and we're not sure about this, but it is entirely possible that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, when this incident happens, is in jail and may have already been executed. And believe me, Mary would have been very aware of that. This was her cousin's son, John the Baptist. And now Jesus is in the same kind of head-on collision with some of the same characters. And perhaps Mary's fear for Jesus, her fear for Jesus, overcame her faith in what Gabriel told her. Or perhaps, like some mothers, she thought she knew better how Jesus should pursue his career either way it led to something incredibly tragic it led to their relationship as far as we can tell from the scriptures being broken can you imagine how mary felt when she heard what jesus said this is the same incident they're there his jesus mary and the brother half brothers are outside And Mark tells us at the end of chapter 3, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And I am fairly certain Jesus knew why. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked around at those, he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Can you imagine how Mary felt when she heard what Jesus had said? If what was driving her was indeed fear, then that fear led to estrangement from her son. And perhaps, perhaps led to bitterness towards God. You know, there's a reason the psalmist says do not fret, don't worry, it leads only to evil. We don't hear anything else in Scripture about their relationship until the next time, at least in Scripture, that Mary is in the presence of Jesus. John describes it. Jesus is on the cross. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. Was this the first time they had been this physically close since the estrangement? We don't know. But whatever had happened in Mary's heart, in Jesus' heart, he'd never given up on Mary. Dear mother, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, this is John, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, John, took her into his home. All Mary's greatest fears have come to pass. Mary only faced rejection and scorn from her village. Now her beloved son is being rejected and scorned by his entire people. There's no recovering from this disaster, none. This is the end, and for Mary, life, Will it be worth living after this? Forever, her son will be the one that all the religious authorities and all the civil authorities agreed must be rejected, humiliated, and executed as an example for others. All her greatest fears have come to pass, and all her hopes and dreams for her beloved son are crushed forever. And the grief, the grief, it will never be healed. There's nothing left for Mary. But there is, isn't there? There is, isn't there? She doesn't know it yet. But soon, Who who do we think first gave her the news three days later? Who do we think gave her the news? Almost certainly Mary Magdalene, who was the first to proclaim the resurrection to the disciples. We can only imagine that scene between Mary Magdalene and Mary. And we can only imagine another scene a stunning, intimate scene. The mother who was completely crushed, meeting her son who was crushed, and is now alive forevermore. And now all the dreams she thought were lost forever are fulfilled in a way that she could never, ever have imagined We need to remember that. We need to remember that in the course of barely three days, Mary went from here to here when she met her resurrected son. We need to remember that because many of us or in the middle of disappointments and struggles as parents, and especially mothers, we need to remember that. What the living God can do. You know, we... Scripture doesn't tell us about that beautifully tender first meeting of the resurrected Jesus with his mother Mary. But, you know, we are privileged... To imagine and sort of see the fruit of something else. We get to see the fruit of Luke. Who researched everything. Interviewed everybody for his gospel. Everybody he could find who had encountered Jesus. Or had any information firsthand. And he sits down with Mary. And says, please. Please. Tell me the whole story. Tell me the story from the beginning. And Mary tells him the words of the magnificent prophecy that the Holy Spirit gave her while her son was still in her womb, a prophecy that has now reached fruition. She says, Luke, here's what the Holy Spirit gave me. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and set the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Amen? Amen. Friends, let's join together in affirming this faith.